overcoming our former life is so necessary and important to the way we live life in the freedom of the gospel now. You have a newness in Christ. You have a freedom of that gospel. And we don't live according to our former life. We live with a new life. Some of the people that have attended the Vital Grace Workshop have discovered the things that they were relying on for their life. That could be money. That could be approval from some other person. Or maybe it was their significance they were discovering at work. What happened in the workshop was they came face to face with the reality of what Jesus Christ has done on their behalf, has made everything right between them and God, changed their life, changed the trajectory of their life into freedom and into joy. This workshop, it's not the key to life change. It's just a part of the journey that you're on, but it will give you the tools and will give you the, the excitement the renewed freshness of what you're looking for in your walk with Jesus. Cool video, huh? Hey, good morning, you guys. My name's Jordan. I'm the director of worship here, and so good to see you this morning. As you just saw, uh, that is a video highlighting our Vital Grace Workshop, which we would love for all of you guys to attend. If you haven't already, it's a great time, a great tool, like uh, Dr. Tom Wood said there, um, just of growth in the gospel, which we all need and could use. And so you can check that out um, on our website. It's actually got all the dates for the next year when that workshop is gonna happen. So if you're type A and you like to plan, you can uh, register for Vital Grace 2022, and that's totally fine. We want you to do that. Um, so uh, please go to our website and you can you can do that. So um, are you guys you guys wait, awake and good? Okay, just making sure I wasn't getting a lot of feedback, which I enjoy. So uh, it's okay if you yell something at me, I'll, I'll respond. Um, next thing I want to tell you guys about is the walkathon. So there's been some confusion about this, uh, so I want to clarify as much as I can. Okay, so we're having a walkathon, and we are partnering with Silverleaf, uh, the neighborhood that we're in here. Um, and it's going to be Saturday, June 5th. Okay, and so the purpose of this walkathon is to build relationship. That's it. So it's going to be registration is at 8 a.m., uh, walk is at 8.30, and it's a mile. So if you're a beginner, you know, it's just a mile. If you're a marathon runner, that's a good warm-up, so come out. We can walk together. We can get to know some people. And here's, here's another thing that I want to clarify. The cost is nothing. The cost is free. So if you come for every person who walks, we, the Vine, are going to donate to a charity. So it costs you nothing, but we're going to donate $10 a person to a charity. Does that make sense? So you can come, walk, have some exercise, fellowship with our neighbors, get to know one another, and it'll be a good time together. Uh, so hope to see you guys June 5th, 8 a.m. for registration, 8.30 uh, to walk. And so last thing I want to tell you guys Starting on June 6th, which is that following Sunday from the Walkathon, uh, we're going back to two services in this room. So 9 a.m. has been outside, and then the 11 a.m. in here. We're going back to a 9 a.m. and a 10:45 a.m. both in this room. Okay, so you have options there as far as which service you come to if you prefer coming inside. 10:45 a.m. is still going to be live streamed. Um, and they'll have children's ministry activities during that service. The 9 a.m. service is going to be no children's ministry activities. Cool? 
Okay, yeah, I like it. Thanks for the feedback. I appreciate that. You guys look good this morning. Have I told you that? It's good to see you guys. Uh, If you'll stand, um, let's turn to the scriptures for our call to worship. So this is from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So if you are followers of Jesus, your life has been raised with him. And thank God, is that heaven? Yes. But that reality is also now that we walk in. He is currently seated. There is currently praise around his throne. We get to join in to that convergent space where heaven meets earth and we can praise just like is happening right now. Isn't that cool? Won't you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you have made a way for us to have life. God, we join in with the singing that's happening around the throne, praising your name right now, Father. Be lifted high. Be magnified in this place as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Count on one thing, sing God that never fails, will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. Sing God who's never late, it's working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will. Lift you high in the lowest valley, yes, I will. Bless your name, yes, I will. Sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days, oh, yes, I
For the 
that out. Praise the kings. You are the Lord of lords, God. You are our light. You are our hope. Father, you are love, God, and you are here with us, God. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We submit our, ourselves to you, our wills, our wants, our desires, God. We say we want you more than we want that, whatever that is. This world seems to have everything, but we say that you are better. Help us turn to you, God. We need you, Father. Lord, thank you for your spirit that is here, that we don't have to do this alone. We don't have to muster enough energy, God, but that you are our helper. You walk alongside of us, Father. So, Lord, we magnify your name this morning, God. We give you the praise that you are due. Lord, we join in with those choruses of saints and angels in a song that we'll be singing forever, which is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, stir that in our hearts right now, yes. But when we leave here, even more. As we go to our jobs, as we go throughout our week or on vacation, won't you just stir our affections for you, God, so we can give you praise day in, day out. Hour by hour, minute by minute, we need you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Oh, that's so good. I, I just hope that today we can praise his name, that that would be what our heart would most want, would be to praise the name of Jesus, that we would know that we can run to him that we would trust and believe that today. Hey, I'm, I'm Mark Pugh, pastor of Outreach and Operations here at The Vine, and it's a pleasure to be here whether you guys are here in person or online. Welcome. Thanks for, for joining us. You know, today uh, we are continuing, continuing a series in the book of Proverbs called Is It Wise? Um, the Proverbs, they give us godly wisdom. They help us live a life where we can choose wisely, where we can grow, where we can learn to live out our salvation. In short, you know, the Proverbs, they teach us how to flourish in God's grace throughout our entire lifetime. And so today, as is, is we get to do this, if we get to continue asking that question, is it wise, we've got a really fun topic today. We get to talk about the fact that most all of us, at times, are sluggards. Yeah, we're slothful. We're lazy. So let's, uh, let's take this. We'll start with a little fun. Let's take a look at this video clip. Really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? 29T. Number. 29THD03.
two, nine. THD03. T. HD03. H. D03. D. Mm -hmm. Zero three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Oh, that gives me anxiety just watching that. <laughs> you know, prior to this sermon, if you'd called me a sluggard, I probably would have laughed at you or maybe would have wanted to hit you. Because sluggard, it's an offensive term. Nobody wants to be called that, right? You're saying I don't provide for my family or I don't work hard. How dare you do that? But after studying this passage, it's hit me that I and all of us have tendencies to be sluggard. So let's, let's open up our, our word here. We're in Proverbs 24. It's kind of the middle of your Bible, chapter 24, verses 30 to 34. Let me, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, just bringing us together. Thank you for a laugh. Thank you for your word, Lord. And I pray today that you would teach us something that grows us closer to you. Lord, that we would want to run to you, that our hearts would be all about you. That'd be our true desire is you and that you would change us and all the other stuff would be okay because we're dependent upon you. So, Lord, help us with that. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to your word. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest, and poverty will come over you like a robber and want like an armed man. So if we pull up verse 30, we just start with that. We see this sluggard. He's a man that lacks no, has no sense. And, and from the Hebrews uh, dictionary, look that word sluggard up, and, and it's to be slow to any action. It suggests a lack of discipline or initiative. You know, sluggards, they avoid things. And so as we're talking about Proverbs, we're defining a sluggard as, as someone who avoids God and his desires for us. In past weeks, we talked about the fact that the beginning of wisdom and knowledge starts by fearing the Lord, by having this reverence and honor to God that we would want to to, we'd have to fear him to bring him glory. And so we've established that a sluggard, they avoid things, and a sluggard obviously doesn't fear the Lord. And we've all got tendencies to be a sluggard. So what do we avoid? And I think the answer is that we avoid God himself and God's desires for us. So when we look at the book of Proverbs, let's, let's remember that this is a long time ago. Society was mainly agrarian. And so a, a, a little narrative about a field, boy, that hit everybody. Everybody understood that. Um, the Jewish people, they knew what God desired for them. 
They knew that God wanted to know them. They, they knew God wanted them to love him, that that was what was best for them. They knew that work was good, that he desired work for them. And we see this in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. We see that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And then right after that in chapter 2, he says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. But see, the writer here, he's not just talking about producing a great crop out of this field. I mean, again, work is good. It was really important that that would happen for them. And, and our work today is also really important. But I think he's also talking about the fact that we tend to not care for our souls. He's saying that a slothful man who lacks understanding, avoids the work that God has in front of him. And that's the work that God desires for him, but he's really avoiding God in his heart. He's avoid taking time to care and plant and dress his soul. And he's filled up with this internal corruption that leads him in this place where he can't make a decision that is really good and right in God's eyes. We've all had times where we struggle with this where we don't have any interest to pursue what God has for us. You know, some of us right now, we're probably struggling to read God's word. We're struggling to find time to worship him. Maybe you're in a dry season, right? That happens. Or maybe we're just kind of in a lazy season. Or maybe we haven't really put our life and trust that Jesus is our Lord. And this is an important time to really consider where are you with your faith? I hope that we would all be willing to admit that sometimes we can be a sluggard, especially when it's doing tasks that we find unpleasant. These are tasks that God desires for us, that he's put in front of us, but we don't want to do them, whether it be on the job or in the home. God desires for us these good things, but we need to do those before we do what we find is really enjoyable to us. You know, our standard we tend to think our work standard is the American work ethic, right? We, we go work hard. But how do you stay steady and consistent in honoring and bringing glory to God and make that your success rather than moving up the corporate ladder or, or getting that next pay raise or, or really spending maybe too much emotional resources and effort on raising our kids. Those are all good things. They're important things, but they lead us to a place where sometimes we're neglecting what God desires for us. And we, we lose sight of the fact that we've got to trust him. We got to trust him in his word for us, that he'll provide us the strength to do what he's called us to do. That's how he helps us, regardless of what our giftedness is or our preferences are. You know, this, this thought really impacts our entire life, because God has called us to all sorts of different vocations. We're, we're called to be a caring spouse, a loving parent, a, a servant-like leader in the business place to, to be a good student. We're called to volunteer at our church and in our community. There's all sorts of things that God has put in front of us that is the work that he has asked us to do, and he desires us to do them well. Not at the expense, though, of allowing him to lead us. Now, all this starts with this decision to fear the Lord with all that we do, that we would be reverent 
to him and honor him, and then he'll straighten our path. You know, one of the risks to teaching this passage is um, we could think, well, being a workaholic's okay. At least I'm not a sluggard. I'm not sloth-like. Matter of fact, I'd say maybe a workaholic is kind of the opposite of being a sluggard. Um, but the reality is a workaholic is a sluggard. You know, a workaholic is more than just somebody who's diligent in their work. A workaholic becomes all-consumed with their work, that they, they start to leave out these other important things that are, that are in their life. They avoid, avoid what God desires for them, some, some beautiful things that God desires for them, like protecting and caring for their family or loving their neighbor. You know, unfortunately, I've been that guy. Uh, been married over 23 years. My wife, many, many years ago, came to me one time, kind of appropriately, and said, uh, hey, I'm, I don't want to have any more kids with you because I was never around. It upsets me thinking about it right now. Uh, I was leading a, a technology a consultant firm in the early 2000s, and it was a hard line of work to be in then, and failing was not an option. So I just put all my effort into work. I rationalized that I needed to work hard because our employees need to be paid. And you know what? There was some truth to that. But there was also a lot of truth in my decisions led us to a low point in our marriage. I was not tending to the vineyard of my soul. My, my priorities were out of whack. I was missing out on things that God desired for me. You know, I, I don't think a lot of us here in this congregation are really lazy or sloth-like in that way. I think we want to work. However, I am a little worried that there are many of us here that think and put too much into providing for our families. Maybe put too much into how our kids turn out. Again, both those are important. But we got to remember there's, there's always a crisis going on. There's always a struggle. And, and so workaholics, they're no longer flourishing in God's grace because in that moment, their desire is for their kingdom. Their desire is not for God's kingdom. Workaholics, they don't realize that they're, they're spiritually starving themselves and their families because they're not leaning into biblical truths. They don't realize that their behavior is being watched by their kids and others. That this impacts many. And you know what? This happens in the church too. It might be worse in the church because all of us know, right? We know this truth. If you work for the church, you're doing God's work, right? Like I'm doing God's work. I don't know what you people are doing. <laughs> the reality is hopefully we know that's not true, right? We do God's work wherever he has placed us. As long as we're doing it to honor him, that's God's work. So what happens when we avoid God and his desires for us? We see this pretty clearly in this passage. If you look at verse 31, 33, and 34. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. The stone wall was broken down. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, I looked at that and I was like, I have no idea what the word nettle means. Uh, but it's a weed. And slumber is just laziness. So as we chase our own desires, I think it's saying, hey, we're not going to flourish. We're going to go astray. And this, this picture of this garden, it's really like a, it's, 
It's an illustration. It's a story that it has practical wisdom in it for us. There's like a purpose of, yes, we need to work hard in our work that God has put in front of us to, for these vocations that he has given us. But we see in verse 31, uh, 31 that the ground, it's overcome with thorns and weeds. The wall is broken down. This is a picture of what happens to our soul when we avoid God and his desires for us. We're overcome with spiritual poverty. So you guys have, you all may have come upon a house or a field or something. You see, it's just covered up with weeds. It's got trash. You go like, something's wrong here, right? Look at this picture. So I don't even think the picture does it justice. This is a gorgeous house. 50 years ago, it was gorgeous. 45 years ago, it was gorgeous. Somewhere right after that, it became not so gorgeous. I grew up right beside this house. This house was way nicer than any other houses in the neighborhood. It faces Kingston Pike in Knoxville, Tennessee. Think Peachtree Parkway in Atlanta. I mean, it was gorgeous. New family moves in, they're sluggards. This is what happens. It's, it's an eyesore. All the neighbors talked about it. And it's, it's kind of crazy, but if you think, hey, when I avoid God and his desires for me, People see something's not right. I've remembered this house for 45 years. As we avoid God and his desires for sin, I think it, it starts to, to seep in in our hearts. They become a mess. We're filled with thorns and nettles. We, we, we'd allow our wall to be broken down. We're not protected by Christ. We don't fear the Lord in every matter. You know, pursuing what we want leads to problems. And we must allow Christ to be the stone wall of our soul. Else we're going to let the enemy capture it. Satan will come in and twist our thoughts around. And he'll, he'll make us think about what we want all the time. About our earthly kingdom and not his kingdom. And this is what happens when we avoid God. We fall into disrespair. We, we've got to learn to be diligent in trusting God and reading his word and spending time with him in prayer and each other to help us, to allow him, to allow him to change us. We've got to be careful. Who do we listen to? We've got to be careful when we're listening to people who do not point us to Christ or God's grace. We have an opportunity for that every day with social media, TV, government. There are people all over the place that are overrun with the cares of this world and they, they create thorns and nettles for us. They help us to allow our walls to be broken down. They teach us to work on the wrong things, the wrong relationships. So if we know this to be true, if we know it's a bad thing, it leads us down a bad path to avoid God and his desires for us, why do we allow it? Why do we do this? And I think... It's because of what's in our heart. It's what is our deepest desires. You know, we don't really believe, we don't really see how beautiful God is, how much he loves us. We don't repent, believe, and obey. That's a struggle, and we all do that differently. Repent, believe, obey. For me, I repent, and then I kind of don't know what to believe a lot of times in the situation, and I go to obey. And I repeat that, and that doesn't really work. I don't change from that. I repent because I knew I did something wrong. And then I obey because I generally got an idea of kind of what I'm supposed to do. But the problem is I'm not seeing and experiencing and believing the beauty of who God is in my life, what he's really done for me, how much he loves me in the moment. 
I need to repent of my unbelief that I need God in the moment. Because a lot of times I think, hey, I can, I can take care of this on my own. So I'm worried that we all do that. I'm worried that, that we, in the moment, we don't really believe what God is for us. And so we don't preach the gospel to our hearts in the moment. That's the good news of Jesus. And so we miss out. We kind of act like fools. We don't fear God. We see this, a great little verse uh, about 11 chapters earlier in Proverbs 13. It's 13.4. And it says, The soul the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul the diligent is richly supplied. Here the soul is, it's another way of saying what our inner core is. It's, it's our heart. A few chapters before this, Proverbs 4, another great verse. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That's a pretty big statement. Everything you do flows from your heart. This is why we avoid God and his desires for us. What he wants for us is it's kind of countercultural. It's hard. It's hard to love our neighbor always. It's hard to love others like Jesus loves us. We can't do it without his help. It's hard to live in peace. Because we've got anxiety. We have worries that, that come upon us all the time. And God doesn't want that. That's not his desire for us. His desire is for us to be dependent upon him. And then allow his grace to happen. Scripture tells us that we should take every thought captive. That seems kind of hard to do. Take every thought captive. But what a great way to consider why do we do what we do. So here's a couple of questions that you could ask yourselves as you're trying to take every thought captive. What are your values? So like, what's really important to you? Is it to be financially secure? Again, raise the best kid possible. Maybe be comfortable, not stressed. Why do you work? Is it to provide for your family? Is work a place that you can love your neighbor and you know that you do a lot of work and this is how God sanctifies. This is how he grows you is through your work. You recognize it's different than maybe what we, we think work is. Why do we procrastinate on things? Like, why do I not want to do chores? Or maybe a, a kid doesn't want to do their homework. Or nobody wants to have that difficult conversation. These are great questions to probe a heart. Do you feel that you deserve to be comfortable? I mean, I, I've already said I work hard. So I think I ought to be comfortable some. You know, I'll tell you guys, uh, to avoid being a sluggard, a practical wisdom here help do the dishes. Do the laundry. You know, I, I was in a life group one time and uh, a couple said after dinner, if one was doing chores, the other was doing chores. They didn't just let one person do all the work. I'm like, that's a great idea. We don't always do that with a few household, but that's a good idea. All these questions help us to investigate what's going on in our heart and why do we really fear God with our decisions? It helps us learn to preach the gospel to ourselves in the moment over and over and over again to allow him to change us. You know, we should all be about giving God glory. And I wonder what it would look like if that's what we were all about. Would we compete with everybody so much? I, I, I got to pause here. Did you guys know, by the way, I am 6-0. and oh. I'm undefeated in my Xbox Madden Football League. <laughs> I just beat my brother again. That seems really important, right? We compete with everything. Our houses, our jobs, our kids, our grades. We had a, a grad party yesterday. I'm sure there was a little bit of like, hey, my grad party's got to be great. 
We even compete with how godly we, we are compared to each other. You know, it's possible that, that people see us as really good people, right? As a good person. But, but the, the reality is that you might be avoiding the beauty of who Jesus is in your life because you're working really hard to follow the rules, to be the right person, to not sin, to be religious enough. And so all of a sudden, you don't think you really need Jesus. If that's happening to you, you're lying to yourself. Because what you really need is to understand your need for him. You need his grace. This is a great quote on this from Paul Washer. He said, a lot of people think that Christianity is, is you doing all the religious things you hate and avoiding all the wicked things you love in order to go to heaven. Nope, that's a lost man with religion. A Christian is a person whose heart has been changed. They have new affections. See, what I think this is saying is a, a Christian's heart's for God and for what God wants for them. He's, he's no longer avoiding God. So if we go back and we look at verse 32 from our passage, it says, then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. You know, if we ask for God's help, I think he'll give it to us. He tells us about our sin. He helps us see that. He gives us instruction, this word instruction. It, it's really a phrase that says a teaching for life. Like That's kind of awesome. I'd like to have teaching for life. Give me some of that. And you know where that comes from? It comes from God's word. This is teaching for life. So how do we solve this? How do we make this better? How do we fix it ourselves? And, and the answer is we can't. We can't fix this problem on our own. There's a, there's a big phrase out now in, in culture that's called self-care. You know, a lot of people are trying to do self-care. They, they're working on themselves physically, emotionally, relationally. This, those are good things. There's, there's nothing wrong with working on yourself. But we got to realize that we, through self-care, cannot change our hearts and what our hearts desire for us. The best thing that we could do for self-care as Christians is to follow God's desires for us. You know, we see in our natural state, this is kind of a hard thing because we don't really desire God in our natural state. We don't want what he wants for us. On our own, we're ruined. We're overrun with sin. There's nothing in our heart that really wants Jesus. We are all for ourselves, most all the time, but thankfully, but God. But God is changing us. He sent his son, his perfect son, to live a perfect life for us. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. He loves us beyond anything we could ever imagine. And he's forgiven us forever and ever for all the times that we avoid him and avoid his desires. We see this in in. Uh, Chapter 2, or chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians it says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Another great verse that's kind of famous, a lot of people know it, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
You know, we, we talked earlier about how we should repent and then we should believe. We, we believe God. So we've got to believe some real important things here. We've got to believe that he's for us when we go to work and struggle, that he'll care for us after one of our relationships goes bad, that he'll really care for us somehow, even when we lose our job. He cares about our work. He'll heal us when we're really, really sick. Our work is good. Our work helps us flourish. It helps the city flourish as we do it to love our neighbor. We've got a part to play in not being a sluggard, but we need to get, let God lead us. We need to remember that we are God's pleasant planting. It's he that brings us about to grow. It's he that allows us to change. And we see this in Isaiah 5 and John 15, two more great little passages. In Isaiah 5, 7, it says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. That's us. We're God's pleasant planting. In John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We must go to Christ over and over. We've got to roll over God, just like Pastor Tim told us last Sunday. We roll over God over and over and over throughout life so that he'll grow our affection in him. He'll lead us to making the right decisions in life. He'll, he'll help us to become conduits of God's love where he's placed us. In the different vocations that we have, again, our vocations, it's the people that we should love as our neighbor, our, our coworkers, our suppliers, our partners, our customers, our, our family, our friends, and those people that live right beside us. They are all our neighbors that we're to love. You know, we talked earlier about how our hearts trick us into thinking that we deserve to be comfortable. We deserve that. And I can assure you, though, when Christ willingly chose to love us, and bring us permanently into his family, he was not comfortable. If there was something that a person wanted to avoid, it was the cross. Being crucified is a terrible way. It's a slow and gruesome way to die. Jesus didn't avoid the cross. He didn't avoid God's desire for him. He chose God's kingdom, he chose us over his earthly kingdom. And that's an amazing gift for us. He's given us a way for eternal life and, and a way to taste that right now. So let's all ask God to help us to pursue him, to abide in him and to not avoid him. Let's ask that. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we give you thanks for your word, for these teachings that you give us, Lord, and I just pray that you would be the one that would change us. We wouldn't try to change ourselves, Lord. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be, to love others that you've put in front of us. Lord, help us to, to not avoid you, Lord. Help us to pursue you, to care for our own soul because we, we become dependent upon you, Lord. It's all about you. It's not about us. 
Lord, we give you thanks as we come together as a family to, to take a meal together. We give you thanks again that you've brought us together to be this means of grace for one another. Thank you, Lord. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. So we get an opportunity to, to do and come together and take a meal as a, as a church family most every Sunday here. And um, I think when we do that, there are some things that we need to remember. One, we're all broken together. Like we're all fallen and a bit messy together, and that is good. God's put us together to care for one another, to be known by one another. And so this is a moment for us to be praying for each other. Again, we're a means of grace. This is a moment to celebrate. You know, this is a, a, we do this in remembrance of what Christ did on the cross for us, that he died for us, and he loves us so dearly, but it's more than that. This is a moment to be encouraged together in the Holy Spirit, that he would, in, he would bring us in renewal and unite us with Christ. So my hope is that you would be sitting here wanting to be drawn closer to him through this opportunity. And maybe there's some people that are a little skeptical of Christ right now. That is okay. The, the, the Bible tells us a teaching. It says this is really for the covenant family. And so we, we, we don't take this meal when we're not in the family. But participate by, by asking the Lord to reveal himself to you. Before we take this, let's just take a moment to repent. Think about how are we avoiding him? And then we'll come back in and, and we'll take this together. Lord, help us. Help us to know you and want to know you. Lord, expose our hearts right now with where we're distracted. Lord, thank you. Thank you for letting us pause and rest in you for just a minute. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So on the night of Jesus' betrayal, he was with his disciples and they came together and they were celebrating the Passover meal and he, he took this bread and he gave thanks for it and he said, do this, take this, eat, enjoy. In the same way, he gave thanks with the wine and the cup. And he said, this is my blood. This is the blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take and enjoy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for drawing us together as a family and allowing us to take a meal together, Lord. Help us to create those special relationships, Lord, that you would call us to here. We trust you, Lord. Help us to trust you. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray, Lord.
So before we uh, stand in our blessings, sending just a reminder of what it is to, to take an offering, what that is about. You know, we're all gifted uniquely. We all have different passions and desires and we have talent, we have time on our hands and, and we have treasure. And, and I think the Lord allows us to, to work and grow through using those things. And so as we do an offering, whether it's here, online, writing a check, whatever you do, I just ask you to take a moment and, and remember that we're dependent upon the Lord. Let this be kind of a training ground to be dependent upon the Lord. God wants us to give with a, a cheerful heart. He's not looking for the amount. It's really inside us that he's after, and so make it a worshipful moment. Let me, uh, let me just pray about that, pray how we would use this. Lord, thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to be able to give ourselves away, whatever that would look like in each one of our lives. Lord, give us a cheerful heart about it. Lord, give us wisdom with all that we are, all of our resources and how we would be about your kingdom. Lord, help this church, the Vine Community Church, be wise with our resources, Lord, for you, for your community, for us to love our neighbor. And we give you thanks again, Lord. Amen. So if you guys would, would you stand and join me in this blessing and sending? This is from Hebrews 4. Again, it's, it's verses 14 to 16. And since then... We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Enjoy, guys. Have a great week.